I've managed all kinds of bands. You know, I, I started with Unwritten Law and I was, that was the first band I ever managed, but I had already been promoting a lot of shows at that point. And all my shows were under the name Big Dummy Productions. And I was just, I did, I kind of crossed surf and punk rock and I was just at the right place at the right time. That all really came together. And I was, I didn't realize it, but I was really part, I was pushing this movement up and up the hill until it just finally blew open. And I was just doing what I love to do. And I really, you know, I when I was turned on to Pennywise in Bad Religion and all those things, those melodies and those songs were just very, they resonated with me. Dear friends, it's Kurt Derdix, and welcome back. If this is your first time listening, I am glad you found us. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with Rick DeVoe. Rick is a fixture in the Southern California punk rock and action sport communities, managing bands like Blink-182, Unwritten Law, Newfound Glory, Pennywise, and many more. His collaboration with the legendary surf filmmaker Taylor Steele in the 90s broke new ground in mainstream culture, merging action sport with punk rock music. And this work inspired a new generation of youth, myself included, and even inspired Kevin Lyman to create the Warp Tour, which is now the longest running concert series in the world. And it's a real honor to have Rick on the show because all that he's achieved, plus we recap a really funny personal story of how Rick inadvertently changed my life when we met in 2001. Most importantly, this episode explores the magic of following our passions, being disciplined in the pursuit, and trusting the process. Rick has amazing stories, remarkable energy and insights, and I just loved hearing how he's passing the torch of his craft to his daughter, JC. Big thanks to Rick for coming on the show. Also, much love and respect to Ryan Gleason and Jason Belt from the Red West, Timmy Curran, Kevin Carvel, and Ian Nickus for a memorable chapter in my journey. Now, onto to the show. Here's Rick. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Rick DeVoe. Buddy, it's been a long time. What's up, my buddy? What's happening? Happy Friday. It's been a minute. I know, I know. Aloha Friday. Where are you right now? I am in sunny Carlsbad, California. Oh, that's some good living. It's nice down here. I'm in old, your old stomping grounds. We moved to Calabasas recently. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Home of the Kardashians. Yeah, we're in Hidden Estates right down the hill from uh, Hidden Hills, right? Uh, Hidden Hills? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, those communities are well hidden. (laughs) I got the pleasure to listen to a podcast that you sent me uh, last week, and it was good to get a bunch of context. I did not know that you grew up uh, in Woodland Hills, so that's cool. Yeah, I lived there until I think I was about 18 or 19, and then I got accepted into San Diego State University in San Diego and kind of never looked back, you know, moved to Mission Beach and that was it. <laughs> I could only imagine those must have been some really fun times. That was when I met Timmy Curran actually. And is that where you got into promoting music and stuff, doing stuff through the university? Actually, no, I was already promoting shows. I was promoting, I like, I would go down to the Whiskey A Go-Go 
and rent out the whiskey and bring 400 surfers from Malibu. And we'd do like a surf movie premiere in Hollywood. And the guy loved me because all these new fans were coming to the whiskey and he was just like, it was a fan base they'd never seen before. I mean, cars were pulling up with surfboards on their roof and it was so cool. It was, those were such fun times. And so I was doing those already, but then when I got to San Diego, when I got, you know, embedded into the Mission Beach, Pacific Beach surf scene, that's when I really started, you know, things started shaping up for me. So you were promoting bands in high school? I started in high school. I went to my friend's show, The Checks, my friend Casey Fleming. He was in a band called The Checks, and they played at my high school, and I was the president of the surf club. And a slam pit broke out, and I got in trouble. And it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, I'm going to do more of this. And I kind of followed around the Bud Tour, the PSAA Tour. And I was really just, you know, I couldn't make it as a pro surfer because I sucked. And so, but I really enjoyed the all the stuff that went into building those contests down at Malibu. So I was like that fan kid fanning out on, you know, like the guys putting the event on. And then I just started putting my own stuff together. And, and yeah, it all worked out really good. Yeah, that's incredible. So this is probably uh, late 80s, early 90s time-wise. I would call it right around 92, 93, right in that zone. Yeah, so I graduated high school in 93 and uh, punk bands in Ventura where I grew up. And we used to, remember we opened up for TSOL at one. TSOL, no way. That was so cool. We ended up, I remember we got, Keith Malloy was there. We got invited to play at a Catholic high school lunch, St. Bonaventure in Ventura at a mosh pit. And I think that was the last time they ever let a band play at St. Bonaventure. Yeah, that'll never happen again. No, you're redeemed bad. Goodbye. <laughs> and what's funny enough, I just confirmed a show for one of the bands I manage, the Aqua Dolls. They're playing with TSOL on October 29th, along with Rancid and AFI and a bunch of other bands. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, there's so much ground I want to cover with you. And, you know, there's these sort of milestones in your life that are interesting and meaningful. I'm sure you had a ton of those. And there's an interesting story that I want to get into that you and Timmy Curran had a big impact on my life and my career. You might not have even realized it. You probably remember the, uh, but first, maybe actually get into that. So, like, I met you probably around 2001, so a little over 20 years ago. I was managing a band called Red West got Timmy Curran to, you know, fund a demo. I think he was, wrote a pretty big check at the time. Yeah, he was balling back then. That was when the surf industry was flourishing. Yeah, I think he wrote us a check to do a demo. Ian Nickus did the demo. It was a great demo. I remember guess circulating it, got it. Somehow Atlantic Records got a hold of it. It was actually, I know how, it was through a friend of mine, Vince Vaccaro, who was an artist in Vancouver Island in Victoria, and he gave it to Kevin Carvel. And things are going good. And then one day, this guy named Rick DeVoe shows up. And then the next day, <laughs> managing the band anymore. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is insane. And uh, I remember- the Corporate I, swoop in. I was so like, the, you know, I, and it was funny because I remember Jack Johnson, had I went to UCSB with, he was a good friend of mine. We were in the dorms together. He had asked me the year before, I think in 2000, to like tour manage for him on his first tour. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. But in my mind, I was like, I got bigger fish to fry. I'm like working with like all these cool bands and like, you know. <laughs> 
and the thing I remember, I, one of my mentors who actually invested in my tech company that we just had an exit, I explained what's going on. And he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Call Rick up and tell him you got to meet in person and that it's really urgent. And, and he pre-rehearsed this whole thing for me. This guy's an amazing sales guy, big executive. And so I call you up and I'm like, Rick, I got to talk to you. And you're like, well, let's just talk on the phone, bro. And I'm like, no, it has to get done in person. And you're like, Okay. All right. So you, you know, I drove down to San Diego from Ventura to your house. And I remember I sat down on your couch and you're like, what's up? And I kind of like rehashed what I just shared about. And then I said, you know, uh, and then my mentor gave me this line. He's like, say this line and then don't say anything and see what he says. And I was oh like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Do you remember this? Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And I sat down and I told the whole story and I was like, Rick, imagine if you were in my shoes, how would you feel? And then the prompt was for me to shut up and just wait. And then you like squirm for a little bit. And then you're like, you know, and it was this whole thing. And I was trying to get you to let me be your apprentice and come work with you and kind of, and, but you know, for whatever reason, you know, you had your squad and uh, there wasn't space for me to slide in and kind of work with you but timmy came he had knocked on the door it's super super random timmy Curran shows up and he sort of you know gets context to the conversation and then the three of us get into this whole conversation about like you know just get it like follow your passion and blah 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 and like you know and in my back of my mind it's like you fuckers like that's what i'm doing that's what i'm trying to do here and uh though and i got into real estate and you know and that was amazing until 08 happened i got completely wiped out and then I got an attack and it's been an amazing run. Uh, I recently had an exit and was able to sort of quote unquote retire for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And in a real funny way, that little sort of happy accident, you know, pushed me into these different paths and it, it's worked out really, really well. And, you know, like maybe there's a future where I get back in the music biz, but I'm really content what I'm doing. And this show has been really a fun show for me to kind of celebrate some of that stuff. So when you hit me up on Instagram, you're like, Hey, I'd love to do the show. You know, it was kind of funny. Cause I had Timmy on the show and I explained a little bit about the context and he was really laughing. And so anyways, I normally don't do this much talking, you know, in an interview, but I just, it was such a funny kind of story in a long winded roundabout way. I wanted to say, thank you. <laughs> you're so welcome. <laughs> God. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know where I if it was 2001. I, I think that was actually 20, end of 20, 2001. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that was quite a while ago. A lot was going on at that time in my life. And there was a lot of turbulence in the, you know, in the Blink-182 camp around that time. And so, you know, I don't, can't really recall where my brain was at. I know I had, you know, two full-time employees and we were running a pretty big business out of a house, <laughs> you know, like a worldwide business. But you know, I was, the whole Red West thing was really awesome. And what was so great for me, get a call, you know, I was able to reconnect with Timmy because I had a period of time there where we kind of, I don't know if we grew apart or we just, our paths kind of turned different directions. I met Timmy when he was 15. I believe I put Timmy in his first surf movie oh, and a- when he was 15 and then that was when I moved to Mission Beach right out of high school when I got accepted in SDSU and I was putting surf movie premieres together. So I remember I got hold of Timmy through my friend Casey Fleming, who worked at Quicksilver, and said, we have this kid. He does alley-oops. 
And he's like the future of surfing. And so we went up there and I got him into this movie. And then I went on to become like a team manager at Arnett and Reef. And I just so happened to become Timmy Curran's team manager. And so we traveled around the world together with the Malloys and, you know, Slaters and Machados and those guys. And it was like my dream because, you know, first and foremost, I'm a surfer. And that's how I really got into all this stuff. But so I did all this stuff with Timmy. And then my band career, my management career really started taking off. And I had to bail those surf jobs. And then I get this call. I had just bought a house up in Channel Islands Harbor. And I get this call from Timmy. And he's like, Rick? And I'm like, hello? And he's like, it's Tim Curran. I was like, what the hell? You know, we just bought a house in Oxnard, which was so random. And I was hoping I was going to run into him. And it had been like, man, it must have been like probably four or five years. And then he's like, he was just blown away that I was in Oxnard in a house I just bought. And he's like, I have this band I got to tell you about. And so he came over and, you know, instantly I said yes, if I recall, sort of the way I signed Blink-182. I said yes before I even saw them. And I just had a feeling about them. And although I know they're not a household name today, Red West, we did some really good things with that band. And if you recall, we got some amazing tours. Yeah. You know, with the Dave Matthews band, that was a great big one. Yeah. Then the- Signed to Atlantic. Yeah. I think that was one of the last sort of big record deals or, you know, for like a, a kind of known band. You know, look, I think in hindsight, if I was you and I was, and that's what Timmy said, he's like, I actually wrote a really big check and I wanted to get my investment back. And, you know, it rolls reverse. I probably would have done the same thing. So that's why I was just sort of like water off a duck's back and things just sort of work out. You know, regarding the, you know, it actually worked out good for you, obviously, as we know now, because that band ended up getting a cease and desist on their name, Red West, from the Elvis Presley estate. And it just seemed like every band I dealt with, where we were Blink, had to change to Blink-182. River Phoenix, we had to change to Phoenix TX. Red West, we had to change to the Red West, I think. Or, or yeah, yeah, it was the Red West, yeah. Yeah, we got a cease and desist from the Elvis Presley estate because that was Red West was Elvis's bodyguard. And so we had to deal that. So I had this like curse that was following me with every band I got involved with, it seemed like. With the exception of Newfound Glory, that was great. Their name stayed the same. But yeah, and then, you know, it just, the whole, everything changed in music. And we were actually really fortunate to get that record back for the guys. And we gave it back from them. We got it back from Atlantic. They paid us, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Timmy got his money back. The band was able to make some money. So- it was funny, Rick, when I had Timmy Curran on the show, I told him the story and he's like, oh man, he laughed and he thanked me for being generous. But what I said to he gave me his contacts. He's like, I, he had written a pretty big check. He wanted to get his money back. Right, right. I probably would have done the same thing if I was in everybody else's shoes. And like, here was this incredible big time music manager. I think if you were managing like Blink-182, all these really big bands. And, uh, and so- one of the lessons I learned in that was just to let things flow and you never know how things are going to work out. And maybe that's a little too Pollyanna or, or naive. No, no, no. You're totally right. I mean, like I was saying, that ended up kind of, it ran its course. So 
you were part of that. At, ultimately, at the end of the day, the guys in the band, I feel like, you know, they got a lot out of it a lot more when they started the band and they had nothing. Then they found you and then it led to Timmy and then it led to me. And then I led them to, I was able to open doors for them to play shows that they never would have played. And then I know those guys went on. I haven't spoken to those guys in a long time. I ran into Ryan the Lion maybe a couple of years ago down at the bar. And I just ran into him in, in Encinitas. He was there. That was really cool to see him. But, you know, the Andy and Jason, those guys, I haven't seen them in, I mean, a very long time. I, you well, know, they're all probably, playing great. Yeah. Yeah. I hear they're doing amazing, you know, and. Uh, you guys, now that you're doing uh, Netflix stuff, you guys might want to reconnect. He's a big producer now. So, and Andy, I think he's doing good and uh, the, yeah, the crew. So I think this is actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. I mean, you know, like you've managed, like you've been sort of at the vanguard of the punk rock kind of in action sport intersection. And there's, it seems to be a lot of kind of crosswell to use a, you know, surfing <laughs> with those worlds. And uh, I mean, not to brag, but just for like context, like, what you've managed, Blink-182, Unwritten Law. Uh, who are some of the other bands that you actually know? Yeah, so I've managed quite a few bands. And, you know, you got to, I just stick with it. I, I'll get, a, you know, I'll get some music sent to me. And then if I get like a vision and I'll go with it, because, you know, really at the end of the day, it's time, right? And I love to use my time wisely because I like being in the water so much. So if I'm going to put a lot of time into something, I get very passionate about it. And I managed all kinds of bands. You know, I, I started with Unwritten Law and I was, that was the first band I ever managed, but I had already been promoting a lot of shows at that point. And all my shows were under the name Big Dummy Productions. And I was just, I did, I kind of crossed surf and punk rock and I was just at the right place at the right time. That all really came together and I was... I didn't realize it, but I was really part, I was pushing this movement up and up the hill until it just finally blew open. And I was just doing what I love to do. And I really, you know, I when I was turned down to Pennywise in Bad Religion and all those things, those melodies and those songs were just very, they resonated with me sonically, like I can't even tell you, you know? And meeting Taylor Steele and you know, the bands are on the soundtracks of those movies. I mean, we all would just sit there when they were VHS and we'd watch them over and over and over again. That's what we watch. We say, if we go down, check the surf, we're like, all right, looks fun. Go home, go back, get a bowl of cereal, watch Momentum, get pumped up, listen to Bad Religion, and then put my wetsuit on and go paddle out and then totally suck and do nothing like those guys did in the movie. But in my head, I thought I was, <laughs> you know, but it was really fun and I just happened to find a, a hole that guys like Taylor Steele and Golden Voice, the promoters, and Bill Silva Presents, and Soma, and even, yeah, I even crossed it over into snowboarding. The last podcast I did was all about the shows that I I helped produce up in Valdez, Alaska, two years in a row. And it also crossed into skateboarding. And, you know, we would run, I was building little skate contests, and I don't know, it was just, it was action sports. And meeting action sports, you know, on the other side, not so much the pros, but guys like Bob Hurley and Paul Gomez, those guys, you know, they were sponsoring Timmy Curran when he was on Billabong. And Paul 
definitely had his finger on the pulse, like big time. And just meeting all these guys, Richard Wolcott and Troy Eckert from Volcom and, you know, the guys from Quicksilver, Willie Morris, he's now passed away. But those guys getting in, I was a surfer. I was just so stoked to get free clothes, bro. Like I was just like, money was awesome because you can buy burritos and you can buy things like that. But when I started getting like surfboards sent to me, like Steve Boysen giving me a free surfboard, Rusty Priesendorfer, and I'm like, wow, this is like, this is heaven for me, you know? So it never felt like we're having these fun parties, all these shows, all the guys that I looked up to as surfers are at these shows. These bands now became my favorite bands. I mean, getting to work with The Offspring and Rancid and all these bands as a promoter led me to become a manager. And Unwritten Law was the first band. And I ended up taking that band and we did some great things. And I remember we even got Greg Graffin to produce one of the records. And that was super fun and got him on tour. And then that led, which changed my life drastically, was when I got hired by Bill Silva. I'm working and I get the girl, I had an assistant, which was so funny because I never had an assistant. She's like, there's this tall guy out here named Tom DeLong and he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah, sit him in. And Tom walks in the door and he's like, hey, what's up, man? He's like 18 years old. And he's like, hey, I'm Tom from Blink. And I play in a three-piece punk band. I still have the piece of paper. I'll send it to you. That where he wrote on it, Tom, melodic pop punk band Blink and his phone number. And he asked me if I'd manage him. And I'm like, yeah, I heard you guys. And I'm like, yeah, you seem pretty cool. I'm like, what do you do for a living? So I drive, I'm a cement truck driver. And he was 18. And, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. You know, and that's how I, I just went with the vibe. And he was a skateboarder. And since I was all kind of into that whole scene, I picked it up. And, you know, I didn't know that was going to change my life so drastically. Yeah. But before that, I was already on the trajectory. I was already on the frequency of where I was going and I was attracting these kind of guys. And it's because I just, I don't know, it's because I was so passionate about the shows and my lifestyle. And I started, you know, like I said, I must have been on some weird frequency, but they were all coming to me. And then next thing I know, here I'm managing Blink and then Blink-182. And then that led to Newfound Glory and Pennywise and so many other great bands. Yeah, I started geek out on culture and how media kind of shifts. And it's interesting to me, it is that I wanted to get in with you is is like it's interesting around how the Taylor Steele phenomena where these the surf films was sort of the soundtrack where these bands were getting launched into culture through, you know, was that something that you saw where like, wow, this is actually a mechanism that will really like do the trick? Or was it just something that you guys just felt your way through? Like how much of that like, were you aware of the impact that the Taylor Steele movies were going to have on these bands at the time? Yeah. So like I said earlier, you know, Taylor made a film called Momentum and I was 23 living in Mission Beach. We just loved to surf. And that movie that was, you know, there was another movie way before Taylor Steele back when I was in high school called Beyond Blazing Boards. And it was done by Chris Bystrom. And Chris put songs on that movie that were by The Untouchables. And by, I think he also had The Hoodoo Gurus. And he had a band from Australia called Gang Jing. So back then, in 1985, 86, I was 11th, 12th grade, president of the surf club. Those songs, especially The Untouchables, 
that freaked me out. I identified with ska music. Like that was first and foremost, that opened the door for me for the specials, madness, all that stuff. Although those weren't in those films, but the untouchables were, I would go to untouchable shows at Santa Monica Pier. I would go see them in Magic Mountain. I learned about that band from the surf movie. So fast forward almost 10 years later, now I'm in college, Taylor Steele comes out and then, lo and behold, momentum happens, right? And here's this guy named Kelly Slater and here's this guy named Rob Machado. And that was, I remember when Kelly was just coming on when I was in high school, but now he's he won a world title or two. And Rob Machado's from Encinitas and I'm living out in Mission Beach. And this is just like, this was surfing and we all wanted to surf and, and be like those guys. But further, that music was just like, oh my gosh, you know, the songs from Bad Religion on those, you know, still to this day, like those are my go-tos, you know? And those songs and Taylor putting those bands, you know, you got to give Brett Gerwitz credit from Epitaph Records. You know, Brett's in Bad Religion, but he also ran Epitaph Records. And he, I think Taylor asked him for music and he just gave him the music for free. And so here I come around for Momentum 2. And at that point now, I'm already pretty established putting surf movie premieres together and shows and I get hold of Pennywise and I am now you know I'm talking to Pennywise and stuff and this is how I met Taylor I swear this is exactly what how it happened I walk out of my house one day to go check the waves I lived in South Mission Beach and I look down at the jetty and I can't really see that well down that far because it's kind of far but I look down the jetty and I see some guys surfing and they're doing turns that I've never seen before down at the jetty. I'm like, what in the world? Like, I mean, these are not normal turns. These are not the bros from South Mission Beach. These were like different. These were vertical backside blowtail snaps and they were just different, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm like, those guys might be getting filmed. So I pan to the left and lo and behold, I see this silhouette of a guy with his hat backwards, with a tripod, filming or shooting or something. And I look back at the surfers and I'm like, that's got to be Taylor Steele. That's got to be this guy. So I run down to the jetty and I get closer and closer. And I'm like, I think it was Shane Dorian was out. And I walk up to him and I go, hey, you want to happen to be Taylor Steele, would you? And he goes, yeah, I'm Taylor Steele. And, uh, and dude, that was it. I just would not let him go. I'm like, Hey, I'm Rick DeVoe and I promote punk rock band and I have an idea. And my idea is just to take your movie and take the bands that are on that movie and let's go play shows. Let's go do premieres and things. And he really liked the idea. And lo and behold, we put on our first one. It was two nights of Pennywise, Momentum 2 and Sprung Monkey at the La Paloma Theater in Encinitas. And still to this day, it was one of the most iconic shows ever i just went to the makua rothman monster energy premiere last weekend and there was alan the guy running it you know he just laughs when he sees me because you know we, there's so many surf movie premieres at la paloma it's i mean taylor Steele and kelly did the salento film festival there in september and and there's just always anyone in anyone if any company if you're gonna have a movie it's, it's gonna premiere at la paloma and that's what we did and then we took it bigger for the next film good times and that's when we introduced Blink, Unwritten Law, and the bands I was managing, 
self-servingly like, hey, Taylor, you have this vehicle. I have these vans. Let's team up with Pennywise and let's go tour this in Florida and Australia and Hawaii. And we did. I wrote it all down and I, you know, did it. I somehow pulled it off. Billabong, thanks to Bob Hurley and Paul Gomez, identified that this was the future at the time. And they just paid for all our plane tickets and marketed it and the affiliation they had, even though Kelly was on Quick and Rob was on Gotcha, it didn't matter. They were getting the runoff and Billabong was winning and Quicksilver wasn't anywhere to be around except, you know what I mean? So yes, it was very influential. And Taylor was, you know, he had lightning in a bottle and I saw it and I grabbed it too. And I jumped in and, you know, and we did it. And there was a lot of other imitations and things like that. Everyone started doing their own versions and stuff. And one of the best compliments I ever got in my whole entire career was from Kevin Lyman, who started the Warp Tour. And he told me, he's like, you know, Rick, I got a lot of inspiration and everything for the Warp Tour based off your shows, the Big Dummy Jams. And that was really cool because it really was kind of the, uh, you know, a slate for those kind of that thing, you know, taking surfers and meshing them with punk rock and and stuff, but he just took it 10 million steps further and did the Warp Tour, and which is, you know, in history, the longest running festival in United States history. Yeah, I got the chills like three times with you telling that story, just sort of in it. That's <laughs> one of the things I'm trying to understand is like, how does culture get formed? And I think this story is a great illustration of that. I think it's the element of oh, being, thank you. you are a part of this community, you're a part of two communities, the action sport community and the punk rock community. And there was this sort of merger of like, almost like a good combo where you like chocolate and peanut butter. It just works really good together, right? Which both I love. Yeah. (laughs) And then you just had this stroke of random luck. And I think where you, you know, and maybe who knows, maybe that would have happened the next week in this, and you would have had the same insight. Maybe not, but like it did happen and you sort of recognized it and were able to put it all together you know the thing that's interesting to me about you though is you seem to have continued to be able to catch a wave and ride it and i guess fast forwarding to now like i know your daughter is working at yeah, jc yeah learning the business it'll be really interesting to see what kind of lightning she's able to capture in the bottle because i know she's involved from just following along on instagram some interesting communities wellness community and uh, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, she's quite a powerhouse and I'm really proud of her. At 12 years old, she became the youngest yogi in the United States. She got really famous in that footprint in the yoga thing. Like, I remember her coming to me when she was like, you know, just turned 12. She's like, hey, I want to do this yoga thing, but it's like $4,000. I was like, what? <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Like, what? And I don't know. We just were like, okay, you know, it's my little girl. And I had no idea she was going to get all this fame from it. And Reuters News picked up the story that she was the youngest yogi. Her teacher's like, you know, JC's the youngest certified yoga instructor in the United States of America. This is kind of a big deal. And this is right. This was before Viore. This is like when Lululemon was just starting to pop. Like this scene was starting. And then once again, it's like, boom, we're like on the forefront. And JC is just all over the place. Like, you know. Good Morning America calling her up, the Weather Channel, <laughs> like the San Diego Union Tribune. The I mean, you know, gosh, so many big magazines. And she did all these features and taught all over the 
world, really, and did conferences, and she would teach for thousands of kids, and it really turned into this great career for her. Started her own clothing company called C Vibes, and you know she has all this stuff. And then she kind of, you know, like any teenager around like seventeen, eighteen, she started kind of burning out on it. And then randomly she came up to me, and right when I kind of started parting ways with the Blink Camp, she goes, "Hey, I'm going to do what you do." And I was like, wait, what? You want to do what I do? And that made me so feel so happy. And she inspired me to, instead of, you know, sitting around and just being like, you know, because I wasn't involved with Blake anymore, just being like depressed and bummed out. She lit a fire under my ass. And I'm like, all right, well, let's, here's what you got to do. We got to go find a band. And then you got to have a vision and you got to be passionate about it. And you got to know where you're taking it. And so we went out and I go, let's start with, let's find the next Go-Go's. Let's find a band that, because I love the Go-Go's. I'm total Go-Go's freak. And and then so we searched and searched, and we found this band called the Aqua Dolls. And we started, they were just this, you know, four-piece band. They'd been kind of dismantled a couple times, and they were just limping along and getting ripped off from promoters. And fast forward to today, they've I co-manage them with the manager of Pearl Jam. They've been on Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits. They've toured. They did an entire summer tour with Incubus and Sublime. They've toured with White Reaper. They've played. They played so many great shows and new record coming out. They work with the Goo Goo's Dolls producer. JC tour managed them for the last three years, and it's just amazing when you're passionate about something. It didn't even feel like work. I made no money. I gave literally my commissions back to the girls the first year because I wanted to. They were my charity, and then COVID hit. You know, then COVID hit and that was a bummer. And we all, everyone in the world spun out and I didn't think, I wasn't sure if it was going to survive it. And then it sure enough, it did. And we're back up and running. And two days ago, I just confirmed we're playing with the Foo Fighters coming up and it's just really cool. And then we went on and we picked up another band called Sitting on Stacy, and they were founded by the Jonas Brothers on TikTok during COVID. And now we're, you know, fast forward a year and a half later, we got them on tours with Jonas Brothers in Mexico and they're playing all these, they play the Riot Fest and they have a big record coming out and they're going to be working with Rome from Sublime. So they're just little pieces and little moves. And the best thing I can say is you have to be passionate about what you're doing because if you're not, like you said earlier, with the real estate, you as a money grab, well, I went after something that wasn't a money grab. I was crawling around with you know developing bands that made no money and I've made really no money up until recently. I'm just starting to trickle to make a couple bucks here and there, but it never felt like work. And that's how it was with Blink. Like I said, I was so stoked to just get free clothes from Paul Gomez and those guys and stuff like that. And you've got to be passionate. You have to have a ton of discipline and you have to be consistent and then you'll get a result. And then when you get that result, then you have a little win and then you keep going and you redo it in every single day. And you've got to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And don't listen to naysayers. I mean, people were making fun of me like, huh, you're going on tour with a bunch of girls, driving the van, loading the gear. You know, I'm 50 at this point, I'm 51 years old. And I look at him and I go, you know, well, you're out of touch. You're comfortable. I now know what's happening out there in the club scene. And I know what's going on. And you won't do the work, but I'm going to do the work. And now I have a pretty solid roster. And I just picked up another band called the Sully Band. And 
they're totally different. They're not punk rock. They're like a big kind of rock R&B band in their 50s and 60s. And Sully is a radio financial wizard for KUSI News in San Diego. Extremely successful. Like he advises for all these people. And I made a got to meet him and he figured out what I was doing and was attracted to my passion and stuff. And now I'm managing his band and I just confirmed them on the surf rodeo. And now it's my challenge is to start working with a band that is in a different genre, but using the tools I have that are all still music industry and surfing. And I'm just doing the same shit, dude. Yeah. Whether it's R&B, punk rock. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say the thing I love about this set of next verse or next chapter for you is that you're staying hungry and staying thirsty and you're staying kind of close to the ground. Yep. And Sully's also letting me produce television shows, which I'm calling Taylor Steele up and I'm going to get Taylor down. I want to promote, we're going to do a piece on Salento Tequila. And then I get to reach out to my buddy Wing, who owns Wahoo's Fish Tacos. And my brother, my buddy Dexter Holland, who plays in The Offspring, and he has Gringo Bandito and Kevin Lyman from the Warp Tour. So everyone that helped me, I'm now going to help them. And I'm telling you, all these doors are just going to reopen again. And it's just so much fun. You know, like if I can go up and get some free hot sauce out of Dexter, that's going to make my day. Well, I got to say, Rick, I'm so grateful that we were able to have this chat. I mean, you know, followed me on Instagram and then I've been posting the stuff on the podcast. And then you're like, hey, I'd love to come on the show. And I think that's one of the things about you that is part of the magic probably or the secret to your success is that you're just really open and you want to have conversations with people and, and uh, you know, see what's going on. And uh, here we are. And it's, I feel very fortunate to be able to. Oh, likewise, buddy. And like your energy is just incredible. <laughs> I'm trying and I enjoy what I do and I wake up. Hey, this morning I woke up at four. I wasn't going to be a little bitch and wake up at five. I'm going to go, if I can get up at four, that means I can get an hour more of work in. And I did. And I got a lot of stuff done today. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm really excited about everything. I love working with my daughter and I still get to work with Timmy Curran and I'm still somehow keeping him. He's getting paid to be a pro surfer still. <laughs> you know, I mean, and Tim is getting up there now and it's super cool. And he's, you know, he's got such an awesome career now in construction and his wife is amazing Shinoa and he's got two amazing kids and a new puppy that I was making fun of him this morning. But yeah, and he just sent me a new artist, Beckett. It's this kid from up in Ojai and, and he's like, are you down to, you know? And I'm like, I listened to the song and the song gave me goosebumps. So I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> like, where's this going to go? But that's it. I just, I love music. I love surfing. I love surfers. I love podcasts and I love your guitar collection behind your, oh, your head hanging up there yeah timmy and i got to reconnect about two years ago at the kelly slater surf ranch and I yes for an event that we were hosting and then the next he had brought me to one and uh so we've been three times together in the last 18 months and i got to go to the surf ranch five times last year then it's incredible so that's incredible i went two days in may had the worst wipeout in my entire surfing career yeah, I mean, I got more hurt there than I did trying to surf at backdoor in those places. <laughs> but, you know, my tube riding has gotten pretty good, and I didn't think that I'd be oh boy. in my 40s. So I think this is all in, in kind of just celebrating that we, uh, you know, it's one life, and it's like, let's go. And the energy that you're 
that I'm feeling that you're putting out is gonna inspire me to get up earlier. So thank you for that. Yeah, get up. Follow David Goggins. All right. <laughs> I one little we're kind of I got a, a hard stop and want to let you your day a little rapid fire question and then uh, a little fun fact. So if you could have any band, any artist, future, past, or present play any venue, who would it be and where? If I could have any artist, like I can go and see the show? Yeah. A personal like, show? Yeah, like you can go back in time and in the future. Like time, it doesn't matter. Where would Who would you like to see? What venue? And I would probably lean towards the specials. Love that. And I would have loved to flown out to the UK in 1982 and go to you know one of the clubs out there and see all those scooters lined up and get to go in there and experience watching the specials when Terry Hall was younger and alive playing Ghost Town and Message to Rudy and that's something I never got to do even in the US so I'd probably want to go see the specials more than any band maybe Madness but probably the specials. Love that. And uh, if folks want to get a hold of you, what's a good channel? I know you're pretty active on Instagram. If, if they got a great band or they want to get a hold of you that way. Yeah. I'm on Instagram at Big Dummy Jam. Yep. And I try to promote all my bands that I work with and promote my 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 friends and their companies and the wonderful sport of surfing. Rick DeVoe, you're a renaissance man. You're an uber man shot. Uh, it's really good to reconnect. <laughs> Keep giving us your time and your amazing Yeah, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, I want to. There's one thing that you used to say. When we talk, you remember your phrase, limited at minimum? Limited at minimum. I don't know why I said that. And Ryan recently <laughs> bring it up. And, and he said that he saw you at that thing. And, and he said, limited. Yes. So it's what are they Limited friends? at minimum. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's the Curdy D. That's the Curdy D catchphrase right there. And it's lived with us forever. I think we need to raise one. I think it needs to be maximum and minimum now. Maybe it does, but I maybe it needs. You need a T-shirt with your face on it and limited minimum or maximum or whatever. But it is your catchphrase. Oh, that's funny, dude. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy. Stay romantic, and we'll be in touch, my man. Shaka, adios. Thanks again to Rick DeVoe for being our guest. I'm so excited to catch another surf film release at La Paloma Theater in North San Diego County and hopefully get to surf and fish with Rick in the Channel Islands this summer. I'm at Curdy D on Twitter and Instagram, also Kurt Derdix on LinkedIn. And until next time, Curdy D loves you. Thanks for listening. To review the show notes for this episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, and any links mentioned, visit curdyd.com. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified when new episodes go live. Stay tuned for more unique perspectives shaping the world on The Curdy D Show.